Welcome to Let's Face the Facts, the rewatch podcast for the classic sitcom, The Facts of Life. Join us each week as we synopsize, analyze, criticize, and ultimately idolize the show. And now, here's your host of Let's Face the Facts, the wonderful David Almeida! Thank you, Matthew Arder. Welcome back, guys. It's another week, another show. Thank you for downloading and pressing play. This week, Matthew and I welcome actor-improviser Dan Johnson to the show. Dan and I work together at Universal Studios, but you may have seen him on your TV screen or even in the movies. We talk about that in the Getting to Know You segment. But before we do that, we discuss Season 7, Episode 24, called The Apartment. And it had an original air date of May 10th, 1986. I think we're ready to jump on in. Let's face the facts with Dan Johnson. Dan Johnson, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. We have been working together off and on and more on than off these days at uh, the wonderful horror makeup show at Universal Studios, sharing the stage. Uh, shameless plug yeah you know they, they need the business really won't you please for just the price of a cup of coffee help out your fellow performers <laughs> a six dollar <laughs> cup of coffee and if you order 90 of them you can enjoy <laughs> a trip to a universal universal escape remember that that whole plot was going somebody on. just posted a video. I think James Keaton just posted that video of Universal Escape promo that he did. Yeah. When they were trying to post it. As... He just I think it was posted it yesterday. Yeah. Oh, I got to go see that. So, boys, you ready to talk about this piece of crap? Yes. <laughs> when I asked you earlier before we started recording, Dan, I said, did you watch the episode? And uh, would, would you like to tell everyone how you replied? Uh, yeah, I just. Uh want to let everyone know that I, uh, I hate David uh, so much right now for making me watch that show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, you know, I've, I've, I've suffered through worse. It's okay. I, I got through it. Mm-hmm. He has to perform with me on stage and watch that. So the, the sad know. thing is that I used to watch this show regularly when I was a kid. I used to love it. Did you? Really? I haven't seen it since then. Yeah. I haven't seen the show since then, but I used to watch it pretty regularly. Yeah. On the the Nick at Night, or were you, are you? Uh, Regular TV. Oh, I perceive, we've talked about our ages. I perceive that you're at least a decade younger than I am. You don't have to tell your age, but. I'm 50. Oh, okay. I'm 53. (laughs) That is, I take it back. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I. Grew up. That was one of the shows I grew up with. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, as a young but, straight boy growing up, this was really you were not the target demographic. How did how did that come to be? Yeah. I, it was just I, I don't know if it was because of the show that was on before or after, which I don't know mm-hmm. was, but yeah, it was just always seemed to be in my lineup of shows that I watched. I had kind of a crush on Tootie as a kid. Oh, interesting. I did. I did. I, say- I, there was. There was a girl in my class when I was in third grade that had braids and braces when like when young Tootie, not like the, you know, the mid 80s Tootie. Yeah. But like the younger Tootie, you know, she she reminded me of her. So, yeah, there was a I had kind of a crush on Tootie when I was a kid. I, was a kid. I don't know that it's fair to say, well, you weren't the demographic. I mean, it's not like there was a a. a an ultimate choice that you had in the mat. Like I wasn't the demographic for the golden girls, but little gay Matthew was here for it. <laughs> and, and because two, two, seven, I couldn't get into, <laughs> and two, but two, two, seven and amen, not exactly the demographic for that either, but it was what was on for Christ's sake. It was either yeah. that or fucking Quincy. And, and I, uh, yeah. And I didn't have cable. So I didn't have cable until I left for college. So I was stuck with whatever was on, you know, the big three networks as a kid. So that was exactly well, chances yeah. are you got into it when it was really building its audience in the early yeah. 80s when it was on after Real People because Real People was different strokes. Popular. I watched regularly and I, that was it because it was a spinoff of different strokes, wasn't it? Correct. Yes. 
yeah. So uh, Different Strokes is another show that I watched, uh, you know, regularly as well. So I think that was why I watched it, because it was either on before or after Different Strokes. It yeah. was for a while, it was after Different Strokes, but the, the bulk of its um, tenure on network television was first after Real People, then after Highway to Heaven, God bless wow. us. And then when it moved to Saturdays, uh, where it is as of this episode, it's where it is on after Give Me a Break. And then it's okay. followed by Golden Girls and 227. Interesting. So that's right. a solid Saturday sitcom. Lineup. I know it was the real people thing. I think it was the real people because uh, real people is another show that I watched a lot. Oh, yeah. yes. Great show. So, yeah. So let's get to talking about this particular episode, season seven, episode 24, called The Apartment from May 10th of 1986. And uh, I got to tell you, there's already scandal and discrepancies here. Last week, we had an issue <laughs> where they had edited out a song for the DVD release. And that song can be found streaming and in the um, basically the bootlegs you find online, but not on the DVD release from the studio. Well, in this episode, everywhere you look, it is listed as The Apartment, like the Jack Lemmon, Shirley MacLaine movie from the mid 50s. But Pluto TV has it listed as Apartment Life. Yes. What the fuck is that? Hmm. Apartment Life. I mean, it's that's not a term or a phrase. Is that ref, is that referring to something that I'm just not thinking of? I don't know. Okay. I, I, the fact that the two of you aren't going, D David, for Christ's <laughs> sake, you don't know what like, Apartment Life is. This was my reintroduction into the show after like, what, 40 years? So, yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Side note, uh, I want to thank you for introducing me to Pluto TV. You're welcome. Isn't it great? Uh, so as I told, uh, as we talked about before the show, I was sitting at home watching TV. I was watching the 80s music video channel <laughs> all day long <laughs> today. That I think that's one of the greatest things I've ever seen. It's like watching TV again, like when we were kids, because it like, is a live stream and you know other people are watching it at the yeah. same time. Like I never had cable as a kid, so I never had MTV. So I would always go to my friend's house and just beg them, please let me watch MTV. Because I never, you know, I was never around really in my home with the, with the music, with MTV and the music videos. So I sat at home just watching, you know, state, it was it, uh, uh, oh God, uh, what's her name? Lisa Stansfield and and uh, Paula Abdul and uh, and Janet Jackson all day long. It was awesome. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. That makes me very happy. Well, this episode, uh, Dan, you don't realize, I don't think, that there are some important landmarks happening in this. In that, number right. one, it is the season finale of season seven. Yeah, a weird way to end the season, by uh, the way. You think? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck me. It's awful. Not much of a cliffhanger. Normally, it's supposed to be a cliffhanger, right? Well, the there last was no episode there. was a cliffhanger. That little recap you saw at the beginning was... Right. That was the cliffhanger. And uh, the reason why I didn't make you... I had, I had Jen Gannon on doing the other, the first half of it. The reason why I didn't make it one guest do both halves, which I would be more inclined to do. Thank you for not having me do that. You're welcome. <laughs> they both stand alone. I'm like, why did they even make this a two-parter? It, it was, yeah, it was really very weird. But yeah, the recap you saw at the beginning literally is everything you needed to know. And thank God you didn't have to watch everything else that happened in last week's show. Cause it was, oof. It was 2D's graduation, and it was not fun. Uh, but this episode also is the final episode where Charlotte Ray is a regular cast member. Uh-oh. In trying to reduce her role, wanted to eventually step away, and this was the end of her tenure there. Starting with season eight, episode one, we get Cloris Leachman taking the place of the matriarch on the show, and, I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. And Charlotte Ray is on the first two. It's a two-parter that starts season eight. And it's okay. where Mrs. Garrett gets married and moves away. But those have Cloris Leachman in the opening credits. But at the beginning of the episode, 
a special appearance by Charlotte Ray. Sadly, we do not have Mackenzie Aston or George Clooney in this episode. We typically really enjoy them and what they bring to the show. Uh, you realize, Matthew, we've already done 13 of Clooney's 17 episodes. We only have four more Clooney appearances. That makes me want to walk directly into the ocean. <laughs> so have you done every episode up to this point? Yes, sir. Including the facts of life go to Paris. Wow. That's dedication. Yeah. Uh-huh. And in the early days of the podcast, I said, "Ugh, I know once we get to over our heads, I know it's going to be a slog. And uh, I was right. You are anyway. absolutely not correct, David. It has been <laughs> joyous and colorful and delightful. Um, I'm loving the aesthetic. The aesthetic is making me very happy. The 80s-tasticness, I did not appreciate at the time, but the scripts, ooh. And speaking of scripts. The shoulder pads. Yes. By the way, why does Natalie look like a linebacker in that show? Oh, my God. It's costuming. <laughs> it really overdid it with the shoulder pads for Natalie. Yeah. And Joe has one where she's got, you can tell she's got two layers of them on. You can tell it's, it's a shirt with shoulder pads and then an over cardigan. God. Also, with she, she's starting to look like uh, Nurse Diesel. Speaking of Cloris Leachman, looking like <laughs> Nurse Diesel from High Anxiety. But um, yeah, so speaking of writing, this episode was written by Jane Anderson. This is her first IMDb credit, and it's her first of three episodes that she will write for The Facts of Life. Uh, but she would go on to write movies like It Could Happen to You. That's the Nicolas Cage, Bridget Fonda winning the lottery movie. Uh, she adapted How to Make an American Quilt in the 1990s. Um, she has three Emmy Awards. She won oh one in 1993 for writing The Positively True Adventures of the Alleged Texas Cheerleader Murdering Mom. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Is anyone oh. from the Facts of Life in that movie? We have to watch that, Matthew. No, we absolutely don't. <laughs> but she won an Emmy for writing it. I mean, it's got to have something. Anyway, and then in 2015, uh, she won two Emmys. Both of them were for Olive Kitteridge, which is a limited series that's uh, on HBO. It was a four-part miniseries. And uh, she wrote and produced it. So she won an Emmy for writing as well as it did take, I think, best limited series. So she got the uh, Emmy for producing. So this is three time Emmy award winner, Jane Anderson's script. And uh, John Boab is the director. John is the in-house director, Dan. He's been directing all but two episodes this season. So right. he's, he's, you know, old faithful, old reliable. So, Dan, now is the time yes. when we like to put our guest on the spot and ask you if you would provide a one to two sentence synopsis of the entire episode, similar to what you might find in a TV guide listing. And uh, brevity is uh, key here. So ready, set and go. Oh uh, I guess I, I guess the moral uh, the only thing I can think of after watching this is that the moral of the story is uh, don't move out and try to, you know, live your own life. <laughs> okay. They're, they're going to move out and start their own lives and, and, you know, do their own thing. And then they discover after what a week and a half that they yeah. can't handle it. So now we'll just go back to where it's safe. I was like, Oh, wow. That, that's a horrible lesson. <laughs> don't follow your dreams. People it, it, you're going to end up, uh, you know, in a rotten place with rotten people and just stay home. Stay home and stay safe. Bravo, sir. Interesting. You were taking a thematic approach as opposed to just a simple plot approach, but that's okay. That's All fine. Right. Here, here it is. This is wrapped up in a sentence. Sitcom life is a lie. Okay. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. There it is. That's all we needed to hear. Tells us everything <laughs> we know. So uh, we're going to get into the microscopic dissection now. We start with a little bit of a recap of the previous episode where we see Natalie announce to everybody that she is moving out. And then Tootie basically invites herself along and says, I'm moving Coming in herself. with you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. What should have happened is Natalie, who has never been at a loss 
for being blunt and telling it like it is. Should have just turned and said no and walked off the stage and we would have been fine. Totally fine. But um, the important thing that they do recap though is that uh, because Tootie has been on an audition where the director told her she needed to have lived more. She's still too young. He wants to see more grit. So that's why she says, that's what he was talking about, the grit. Natalie, I'm moving in with you. So, um, well, Daniel, it's important for you to know the director told her that she needed more grit for the role of Dorothy in The Wiz. Because that's that's what I think of when I see Diana Ross in that movie. Uh, yeah. And I mean, Grit. you know, they, they adapted it <laughs> to make Dorothy older. Dorothy in the stage play is 16, just like Judy Garland. It's, it's yeah, I need <laughs> I need more grit from this 16 year old girl from a farm on in Kansas. <laughs> anyway, we won't go there. Uh, but the action of this episode then begins in the living room. We have Tootie and Natalie coming down the stairs with packed up boxes. Uh, Natalie suddenly has a gigantic, heavy electric typewriter. In the past, we've seen back. her with a that manual portable. I know, yeah, those were, <clears throat> every office had one of those. My dad had an office supply business, so I was surrounded by your IBM Selectrics and those things. My mom and, was a writer, so she had one of those in our house, yeah, I, yeah. yeah. And it weighs a metric fucking ton. Yeah. I will. I would like to say that I noticed maybe it was this way in the last episode, but I didn't notice Tootie and Joe now have the same hair. Oh, yeah. Tootie's yeah. getting mulletier. She yeah. is totally. That's absolutely yep. happening. So speaking of Joe, she and Blair are sitting at the kitchen table eating breakfast, offering to help. But Tootie and Natalie are like, nope, we've got it. And they're like, well, guess this is goodbye. And Natalie, thankfully, does say, well, you're still going to see us at the shop. I'm like, good, because I, I was wondering that. They all together are partners in the store over our heads. And it's like, oftentimes, uh, it's like, who's watching the store right now? Well, we got no Clooney. <laughs> we got no Andy. We got barely Mrs. Garrett. And it's, yeah, at least they acknowledge that they technically still all own a business together. It's not moving out and goodbye. Maybe we'll have lunch sometime. But where did they move to? They made it seem like they were they had moved to fucking Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Yeah. <laughs> which which bothered me later because I was like, excuse me, Joe, from the Bronx. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to walk into this dumpster fire and get all hoity toy. Back off, Jackie O. <laughs> Let's take a look at where the fuck you live. Uh, anyway but so i'm not gonna be debbie downer on this episode i'm not no you're not i can tell no you're not because you love it so much there is the question of where is mrs garrett in this episode she came back from appleton we presume they keep talking about farm it's you know the, her family farm in appleton wisconsin she was back in the at the party where this announcement was made, she came home to Peekskill for for Tootie's graduation. But now um, it's like, where, where is she? There's no mention of her. There's no nothing. Later, we do find out she's back there. But at this point, it's just like, uh, oh, OK. So it is kind of weird that nobody else is in this episode. So when we do go back and forth between the apartment and the house, it's just Blair and Joe. And yeah. it's like, wh and why did they need to move out again? Someone couldn't have just <laughs> taken Mrs. Garrett's room, couldn't have moved up into the attic, which we know is habitable. But anyway, then we're at the apartment and the scene is sort of already in progress. Um, they don't really give us a good establishing shot of the apartment. We're just kind of there. And uh, I would have liked a, a good establishing shot because it takes us a little while to explore the whole space and every single frame that reveals more is more appalling than the one before. Dan, how would you describe this, uh, I'm making air quotes, apartment? Uh, it's kind of like uh, the home I'm living in right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could relate to that, believe me. 
Well, that's right. You've been going through a lot of uh, renovations. A lot of You're home like repairs and renovations. Yeah, and living in my bedroom right now because you know I, I went for like a few months without walls and a ceiling. So. Yeah, you're in a war-torn uh, <clears throat> condo right now. Yeah, yeah. So I, I definitely, I definitely felt their pain. Yeah, but even your condo doesn't look like it. What like but it's like it, they tea stained the entire set. Yeah, it it's, looks like. Uh, I don't know if you've ever worked on a cruise ship before. I have uh, not. Okay, well, the crew bar, um, which is like a closet usually on cruise ships, where that the crew hangs out. And okay. I, and when I see, I mean, the whole crew, like a crew of a thousand people and a room that's about, you know, 20 feet by 20 feet <laughs> and they're all, and they're all smoking. So the walls are permanently stained yellow from nicotine. That's what I, that's what those walls reminded me of was the crew bar on a cruise ship. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and they're sleeping on yoga mats. I, I don't understand what that about? where they're because they keep commenting that it's it's a studio apartment. It is one yeah. room. One and room. at one point when Natalie is later showing the apartment to Blair and Joe, she kicks aside what looks like a big. They look like yoga mats. It yeah. looked like. Yeah. Or a big just a big cushion. It or wasn't even pads. an inflatable. It was just a big thing, but it didn't look like it was big enough for two people. It looked like it was barely a twin size. Well, it was two mats. It was two mats that were folded onto each other. They looked like the mats that you sleep on in kindergarten, you know? Oh, okay. Maybe I didn't catch yeah. that they're, they're yeah. stacked or something. It still doesn't look like a place where adults can sleep on a permanent ongoing basis. I mean, they're young. I guess their their bodies are more resilient than ours would be if we had to. Yeah. But I mean, it's everything has been distressed. There's grit and then there's living in squalor, which is what they were doing. Yeah, even when <laughs> even the shittiest apartment, they will slap a coat of paint over yeah. the toxic mold. They will paint the refrigerator. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> at the very least, you'd think there would have been it looked like there was some effort to conceal what a horrible shit hole. <laughs> This apartment yes. is. Which has been described in the last episode by Natalie as, and I quote, a quiet apartment she found. <laughs> she said, I found this quiet apartment. And again, it looks like it's Brooklyn, but she's supposed to be still working at the shop. But apparently she didn't have a shift at the shop all week because they were like, oh, at the end of the week, we should invite Natalie and Tootie or we should invite... Um, Blair and Blair. Joe for dinner and they act like they haven't seen him in six months. So apparently <laughs> I, I, I was a little bit lost. The other mm -hmm. thing that's uh, ongoing in this episode is uh, Tootie and Natalie are both committed to this, which I guess is nice. They comment on the fact that there are bugs. Oh, we haven't cleaned out the refrigerator yet. That's why the refrigerator smells uh, don't use the bathroom because we haven't killed everything in it yet. But there's no, you would think that there would have been some sense of conflict somewhere, especially since Natalie got the apartment and Tootie just tagged along. But even Tootie's just like, oh, this is an apartment. This is where we live now. La, la, la. I'm a rich girl <laughs> with two lawyer parents from D.C. that's been going to a private girls school since I was in sixth grade. And this place is a completely acceptable living arrangement. It's just, just needs a little zhuzhing, you know? It's just like, oh, we just got to, you know, put, hang up some curtains or something. It's so weird how they, they're aware of it, but they don't seem to be bothered by it. They're more bothered that they can't both exist in a room, that Natalie can't type and write while Tootie is rehearsing the seagull for whatever fucking production that is, I don't know. I, she's not in school anymore. Uh, yeah. She, so, she's not in college yet. So I don't know what she's doing. Yeah, yeah. And Natalie left the house because she said, I cannot stand this place. There's only 17 rooms here. And every time I go anywhere, I hear somebody talking. So I need privacy. I need to be able to focus. So as soon as Tootie said, I'm moving in with you, Natalie could have and should have said, no, that's literally no, the yeah. antithesis of the reason <laughs> why I'm moving out. And you, Tootie, are the loudest of the bunch, by the way. 
Anyway, it's just, it is so bizarre. Now, yeah. then we meet the upstairs neighbor, Estelle. <laughs> uh, who looked like she was in constant threat of a heart attack. I mean, bless her heart. <laughs> she looked actress, like she had trouble just walking into the room. Well, she's in her 70s. She was not a young woman. Okay. And uh, the actress's name is Lou Leonard. And I did look up the history of the cat lady. And uh, the cat lady has existed in television and literature prior to this. But I'm yeah. thinking this might be one of the earliest, if not the first depictions of the cat lady as the woman with the kerchief in her hair and always in a bathrobe. Mm -hmm. Now we never meet any of the cats. We know she has, she have four or five, four? I think she uh, said did she five. ever say? I think she said five. Five, that sounds right. <laughs> She's asking the girls, wondering if they want to go in halvesies and kitty litter. Cheaper to buy it in bulk. <laughs> Interesting that when you think of the crazy cat lady, that is literally the look that I would have in my mind without realizing yep. that it actually was history. Here. History is being made with that episode. I think so too. I'm going to say that this is a landmark episode in the history of television <laughs> and pop culture. So Estelle sits on down, makes herself at home. Funny running gag of the walls being so thin in this shithole. I'm going to keep using the word shithole and uh, I don't yeah. apologize yeah. for that. No, that don't. She could hear everything through her floor of, oh, you're Tootie and you're Natalie, right? You're the, you're the writer, you're the actress and blah, blah, blah. So she can hear everything. What are the better lines at the end of the scene as she's leaving? And she says, well, girls, if you need anything, just whisper. And she points upward. <laughs> and I'm like, that's funny. <laughs> that was a good joke. Uh, and she does say, have you met the super? No, he's a total sleaze bag. You need anything done? Get a lawyer. And it's like, okay, we do meet the super later, but. Which is a setup, obviously a setup because we know we're going to see him later on in the episode. But then when we finally see him, I was kind of disappointed. I wanted to see more sleaze. He was, instead, he was just kind of a dick. Yeah. <laughs> and I think they thought that his teasing up his hair was going to carry a lot of that performance yeah. and uh, didn't really. Yeah. yeah. It was let down by the super. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we're. We were talking about this last week over Tootie's life. What is the game plan? What is happening here? This is the point in my notes when I was like, okay, she's rehearsing the seagull for what? She an wants to be an actress, but she's not going to college to be an actress. She can't even get cast as Dorothy in The Wiz. Her parents live in DC. She's from DC. That I imagine would have more theater opportunities than Peekskill, New York, because we're on summer break now. She doesn't, she's not tethered to the Eastland School anymore. She is done and graduated. So <laughs> uh, it's like, why we talked before, her parents want her to be a lawyer. It's like, so why I'm not going to do it and therefore I'm not going to go to college. Why not do a double major? Why not take your requireds and then think about it later when you have to pick a major? And uh, I kind of took her thing as just she's, you know, out there getting ready for an audition for something. Yeah, I, I guess so. So I, uh, I, without I having so. seen the whole storyline from season one on up to this point. I, 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 and I don't remember it when I was a kid, so I don't have any insight as to what her thinking was. It's, and please don't make me research it. <laughs> I was just going <laughs> to say, you dear said God, you... <laughs> don't make me research it. <laughs> but at the same time, let's also talk about life plans. Natalie was going to travel. Natalie's deliberately not going to college because of wanting to pursue her writing and taking time off. And she was working a whole bunch of odd jobs through a temp agency while simultaneously being a partner in the store. Now at this point, it's like, okay, between the store and you need to work, Tootie, I don't know where, I don't imagine the store is bringing in that much of an income, but all the conflict of, oh, I'm trying to write. Well, I'm trying to rehearse. Whoa, we're bucking heads. And it's like, you couldn't have found time where one of you 
had to be somewhere else. You couldn't have staggered, couldn't have said, go take a fucking walk for two hours. Yeah. I, you know, sitcom, the sitcom trope of, you know, oh, we're the roommates and we can't get along. We've modified our living arrangement and it's just failing. <laughs> well, David, I think there was an extra level of trying to make it seem more claustrophobic than it was. And it began with them stepping over the ottoman every time they walked across the room (laughs) rather than going around that fucking chair. (laughs) Every person was directed to step and make a big deal out of it. Like, oh, this ottoman in the middle of the room. So I I was wondering, were they trying to make it so like that was where the wall was? Because. If that was the case, then they should have moved. I felt like they should have moved the um, like when she was working on the wall, she had to go back around Natalie to get to the wall who was sitting at the table rather than go in front of the table. You know what I mean? Like nobody on the Golden Girls ever walked in front of the table. True. In the mm-hmm. kitchen, you know? Yeah. So um, it was like they, they seem to work very hard to make it look much more claustrophobic than it actually was, I think. And I did count the steps. Like it took about eight steps to get across from the front door to the, to the kitchen. So I count the steps. You've so told me that before. So how many steps does it get, does it take to get across the golden girl's kitchen? Across the golden girl's kitchen. They can get from the door to the stove in four steps. Oh my God. Really? Yeah. It's tiny. Yeah. It's not as big as, but like it's about it's about 12 steps from the kitchen to the front door at the Golden Girls house. But this it was taken about like some people made it in seven. It was eight. Like so I, it was like the whole apartment is the size of my living room. Yeah. Which is not that. I mean, that's small for two people to be living and sleeping in. But it's not impossible for two people to navigate around. No. Especially when they both have a job. <laughs> yeah it's like they and again they've been living with two other women sharing a bedroom they've all been working together in the kitchen at eastland and it's like mm-hmm. they've been in close quarters for quite some time i uh, so then uh we do get a call from mrs garrett this is where they clearly pre-taped something with charlotte ray where she is yeah. in this random kitchen. So we assume it's the family kitchen in on the farm in Appleton. So we do get that and they talk to her and they feel the need they have to lie about it. It's like, uh, Natalie, pick up the extension and Natalie taps the phone with her pen. Funny moment, timed that was a, perfectly. That was, a, that was a good bit. That was a good bit. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Mrs. Garrett basically just says, um, you know, it's it's pretty cool. And uh, by the way, the best thing for cockroaches is boric acid. So yeah. they hang up the phone and they're like, she knows. She, she knows. knows it's a yeah. shithole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then Blair and Joe come by. And of course, Blair and Joe are finally the people who are like, what the fuck? <laughs> but they're being nice for their friends, even as blunt as Joe is. Joe yeah. is making some commentary, but they're not... They're, they're just commenting, they're not judging. But there, there is a sense of, you know we're alone right now at the house slash store. You know, Natalie, if you <laughs> needed a moment alone, 40 years from now, people are all gonna be typing and writing in coffee shops with hundreds <laughs> yeah. of people in them, with headphones <laughs> on. Headphones exist right now. Put on your Walkman, sit at one of the little cafe tables in the store, and uh, it's not like we have customers. Yeah. And it's what they're, they're probably in Brooklyn. So, you know, there's like a coffee shop on every corner. Yeah. Are they in Brooklyn? Because no. she's got to fucking do her shifts at the shop. She's getting on a train yeah. from Brooklyn to Peekskill to work a four hour shift at a Spencer Gifts and Peaks. Come on. No, 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 no. They're just on the other side of town. They're just established that and said, we're just across town. But they really made it seem, and I get it, David, I haven't seen you in person in a year. So, and you do live right across town. And I've never Mm -hmm. met Daniel and we've lived in the same town practically, Daniel. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) 
so Blair and Joe put on the best face they can. And <laughs> at one point, Tootie and Natalie say, well, why don't you come over for dinner some night? This place is a lot more charm at night. And I think it was Blair that says, that's what this place needs, more shadow. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but then as soon as Blair and Joe leave, Tootie and Natalie just start the fighting again. And that's how we go to commercial with Natalie picking up the heart lung machine sized typewriter and storming out of the apartment. Yeah, that fight just like escalated quickly out of nowhere. Yeah. And yeah. So with that commercial, it's but just I like, understand they're dealing, you're dealing with like a you know 30 minute sitcom yeah. time frame. But still, it's just like blown it's... up all out of proportion in a matter of seconds. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Well, while we're at commercial, Dan, this is where we like to get to know our guest a little bit better. All right. What do you want to know? I was uh, thinking we could do a brief Mick tour travelogue, as it were, through your life and your career. So, Dan, where were you born? I was born at Fort Sill, Oklahoma. It's at the Army base there. I was an Army brat. So how many places did you live as a child then? Not many. Uh, so uh, like uh, when I was three years old, we moved to Germany. So I lived in Germany for a little bit until I was five. And then we moved to here to Orlando from Germany. Uh, and I've been in Orlando area ever since. So, yeah. Oh, so you're yeah, yeah. kind of a local. This is your place. What, what, where did you go to high yeah. school? So I went to high school, Lake Mary High School. Lake Mary? Uh, I grew up in, in Seminole County. Yeah. So, you know, went to uh, oh. all the schools in Seminole County pretty much because we kept on getting redistricted. So. But went to Lake Mary High School, went to UCF after that, got a degree in theater at UCF uh, and had the plans of uh, being a teacher. Uh, so but first I wanted to go. I wanted to do grad school. Um, but then I got hired at Disney as an actor and uh, have been in theme parks ever since. So I kind of ruined my plans. <laughs> uh, yeah, you kind of skipped over the whole uh, <laughs> the, the struggle of working your way up the ranks. Now I know you primarily are at Universal these days. Uh, what did I know you were? You were a six bits at Hoopty Doo. What other roles did you do at Disney? Yeah. The, so the uh, first thing I got hired for was the World Showcase Players at Epcot. Oh, of course. Doing World Showcase Players, and then I did Drink Finder, um, and and then went over to the studios where I did uh, Indiana Jones and Hunchback and the old Superstar TV show. Oh yes. Um, oh yes. Yeah. And. Uh, and then Hoop to Do was the last thing. And then left to do Disney Cruise Line for nine years and did all the shows on the ship for about oh, wow. nine years. And that's a long and time. Then, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. So then in 2012, came back to, uh, to town and got hired at Universal. Nice. And mm-hmm. uh, at Universal, uh, we are at Horror Makeup together. You also that's do right. Blues Brothers. Did Blues Brothers and uh, Atmosphere, like the troupe at Port of Entry. Or cabbie. That's what I'm doing with the cabbie now. So, yeah. So the other thing I want to talk about is your film career. Oh. Insofar as uh, <laughs> my tens of listeners will be delighted to know that they can see <laughs> my very guest right here, Dan Johnson, in the recent big studio release, The Eyes of Tammy Faye. That's right. Uh, I play Tammy Faye's childhood preacher. Um, the, I guess the kind of guy that started on her started her on her path mm-hmm. <laughs> you are like um, the origin story that's of right. tammy faye baker <laughs> so true and previous um, to that you had been on um well uh well the, there was a bloodline with netflix show called bloodline that was blood bloodline that's right that's really good yeah um i did a couple episodes of the walking dead where i got to play a bad guy mm-hmm. and uh kill a couple people and then i got killed um, and also Netflix movie with uh, Marlon Wayans called Naked. Were you? I wasn't, but he was. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, Did you see uh, it? <clears throat> now nah, he it was it was a very very small little piece of cloth that covered his goodies. So how small was that piece of cloth? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it was small. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, and then, uh, uh, was, oh, I did a, a, a one season lasted, which is kind of disappointing of a, a show that I thought would 
take off called Sun Records, which mm -hmm. was, uh, that was the first TV show I did. Um, I played uh, vice president of RCA Records and uh, it's written and it's written by the guys that did the Broadway show uh, uh, Million Dollar Quartet. Oh, which is uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that show. Yeah, you know Elvis yes, and these guys get together and record an album, and so they turn it into a TV show, which is kind of like about the beginnings of rock and roll. Oh. Um, so dare I say then, Daniel, that yeah. you are very much like the wonderful Lou Leonard who went on this episode with the hopes and dreams that it would become a spinoff and run mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and much like Lou Leonard you found yourself disappointed after one episode <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a and living in a shithole I know yep and <laughs> still still working at the parks <laughs> do you have any cats I do not oh because I'm always looking for somebody to go have these on litter <laughs> which is interesting I just I, I I hope I mean, I'm not trying to interrupt, but we're not just going to leave. We're just not going to drop that um, eyes of Tammy Faye thing and then like skirt past it, are we? I mean, uh, I have it's, it's, questions. OK, well, it'll be out. It's our, I think it's already out of the theaters. There's only limited release. But uh, just so and my mom just texted me actually before we started here, uh, it will be on video and, uh, uh, you know, Prime and, and iTunes, I think, November 2nd, starting then. So, you know, what else did you <laughs> want to ask, Matthew? <laughs> what was that set like? It was awesome. It was amazing. Did you uh, see What's Her Pussy, who was playing Tammy Faye? Jessica did Chastain. I did, but I did not see her because my scenes were dealt with her as a little kid. So okay. she was there in the producer's tent. So she was there out of makeup, you know, watching the, the takes. I did see, uh, but they did do like a, a, a makeup and wardrobe test for Andrew Garfield while we were shooting. So he showed up in his uh, wardrobe and makeup. And it was eerie how much he looks like Jim Baker. Oh, yeah. Nobody yeah. will ever play it quite as well as Kevin Spacey did in the TV movie Fall from Grace. I did he... not see that. Oh, it's wonderful. Now, is that the one with Bernadette uh, Peters? Bernadette Peters yes! plays Tammy Faye oh. and does her own singing. So you I did not see that. What? You get some amazing Tammy Faye songs actually sung by an amazing <laughs> voice. I mean, wow. Um, yeah, but um, okay. My so. scenes were with uh, Cherry Jones though, which, and she was uh, <gasps> wonderful. I mean, a force Cherry of Jones nature. Wonderful. Jesus, yes. that's great. Cherry Jones plays Tammy Faye's her. mom. And, oh, uh, isn't that interesting? What a widespread. Because I remember her as <laughs> um, Punky Brewster's friend. So, um, <laughs> Cherry Jones. Cherry Jones. Her friend's name was Cherry, wasn't it? But no, no. Oh. Cherry Jones, Matthew, is the veteran actress who was in. She played oh. the president on 24. She. No, that uh, she was, was in Gina the... Davis. She was in Transparent. She played the professor of. That was the wonderful Jeffrey Tambor in Transparent. No, 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 no. Jeffrey Tambor was the trans woman. I'm talking the the lesbian professor who. Uh, has an affair with her student played by the wonderful Gabby Hoffman and her formidable eyebrows. No, you're thinking of Jackie Hoffman. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're thinking of Dustin Hoffman. He was one of the most unattractive women. Stop. <laughs> okay, stop, stop. We stop. only I'm have sorry. 14 hours. <laughs> anyway, I am so thrilled that you are giving me the gift of your time Absolutely. to be here with us to watch this show and this episode and continue on our journey through all the episodes of Facts of Life. And I love introducing my tens of listeners to the <laughs> vast array of multifaceted talent we have in Central Florida. We got a fucking movie star here, people. Nah. <laughs> David, this must be nice for you to have two, two people who are so good uh, at the same time, you know. Oh, bless. Carrying the load of the show is less on me now this week, Daniel. And I thank you for Jesus it. Jesus Christ. I'm glad I could help out. Yeah. <laughs> Matthew always loves it when a man helps him lighten his load. Oh. oh. So we come back from commercial. Movie star Zaddy. Mm. <laughs> 
<laughs> so we come back from commercial and it's it's the moment right after Natalie has stormed out the door uh, carrying her refrigerator of a typewriter. And she's like, wait a minute, this is my apartment. You go fuck yourself and get out of here. Exactly. That's what I would have done. She says, my name is on the lease. It's like, it's true. She got the apartment and Tootie, you're 17. Your name can't be on a lease. It's in Natalie's name. She should kick your ass out. And you should say thank you and go back and live at the house. Jesus. <laughs> or go live in DC with your parents, like I already said. Okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna belabor this. I'm not gonna belabor it. Anyway, then we go to the house, the facts of life house, and we see <laughs> Blair and Joe in the bedroom. What an odd looking bedroom. I don't remember that bedroom looking like that. Well, they've changed the furniture. Apparently Blair now thinks she's Marie fucking Antoinette and has upgraded <laughs> all of the furniture with all these ornate plush tufted headboards. Oh, so with... it didn't always look like that. See, I don't no. know. Yeah, yeah, so I didn't know. Okay. All right. Good yeah. to know. <laughs> yeah. Apparently Blair is going back to the Edwardian Georgian Rococo Renaissance era <laughs> of furniture and she's playing Polko Bell's canon as we, this class, this this very quaint classical music, and Joe is attempting to row on a rowing machine that we have never seen before. By the way, where did this rowing machine come from? She couldn't bring it out, David. She had it was the cramped room. There were four girls in that room. Come on, she couldn't pull out <laughs> a rowing machine. Anyway, there's a uh, trouble in paradise. Blair well, yeah, Joe. because Blair has pushed the beds together. I'd like it known. <laughs> oh, Joe. Oh, Joe. <laughs> look, if you lay here, your head will be right where my head is. Oh, look, <laughs> Joe. <laughs> yeah. So interesting that Blair is the one driving all of this. Uh, but yeah, Blair is now in this. Would you talk to me, please? We never talk anymore. Let's chat. And they have some stilted, uncomfortable dialogue. And then one of the things they mention is we got a postcard from Mrs. Garrett from the farm. Uh, but that's really about all the scene does. It just says that Blair and Joe are alone, not watching the store. And <laughs> it's- oh, Give okay. a little bit of credit where credit is due. That was a pretty good comedic moment between those two when she was like, the Mets won. Oh, good for them. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, there was some good like stuff. Oh, it's my my agent says it's better to sell now. Oh, keep the keep an eye on that. Keep an eye. On, there was some good comedy moments between those two. I thought that were kind of delightful. I will say that they did sell it and used their talents to the to the nth degree to turn this sow's ear into a silk purse. And then the next scene, we go back to the apartment. Estelle comes in trying to borrow some raid, but they're all out. Uh, then the super comes in and the girls are preparing for this dinner that they're going to be making for Blair and Joe. And the super central casting basically said uh, psychopath. <laughs> like this yeah. guy could have been a serial killer. I, uh, very weird. He has a very, very high, high hairline, curly hair, and they've just fluffed it out. And they even comment on it, um, this uh, abnormally large tuft of hair. The character is Lenny. The actor is Eugene Leibowitz. And uh, in 1987, he would go on to be the head writer for the Will Schreiner Show. Syndicated talk show with comedian Will Schreiner. Uh, wow. I've done some performances at some Shriners conventions that I am not proud of. <laughs> I, oh, let's wow. just say that hat doesn't only fit on one's head. All right? <laughs> and you try coming up with more than one limerick that rhymes with Fez. <laughs> anyway, anyway, other than that, He's only got seven acting credits and seven writing credits. Not a lot going on here. So I don't know what he actually Last made his living Last minute replacement at. for somebody? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. You'd think that there was a lot of, God, there were so many serial killer movies. You would think that they could have <laughs> found some more work or, you know, 
psychotic clown roles or something. <laughs> but anyhow, he comes in to tell them they're shutting off the water. And it's like, oh, fuck, we need, the, we need water to boil the pasta. That's what we're making for dinner. Water's already off. Well, shit. So then we cut to That's the probably room. a good thing. I, I don't think I would have been able to trust the water that came out of that uh, pipe. Uh, it's probably just saved their lives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At least it would have been boiled. So most of the impurities would have been gone. Uh, but then we cut to, well, thank you for a delicious dinner. And we zoom out. They're back at the house. Blair and Joe ended up hosting. Um, costume note, Tootie is wearing koala blue again. Not the same outfit she had on before, but uh, Dan, the logo that she has on Koala Blue, that was Olivia Newton-John's line of uh, active and casual wear that she had I did not know that. in the 80s. I didn't either. Yes. It, was, it was one of my listeners who pointed it out to me. So Tootie and Blair stay downstairs. Joe takes Natalie upstairs to show her the changes in the bedroom. So we get each of the girls in a different pairing. Joe and Natalie go upstairs. So Natalie can take, and I quote, my first real shower in 10 days. Yeah. <sighs> that, that I thought about that too. I thought about I, that too. I was like, Because wow. they clearly have not been in their own bathroom since they moved in. I have wow. two jokes. I don't know which one you're going to want to use. Use, give me them both. <laughs> so I'm going to give them yeah. both to you. They go upstairs for, and I quote, my first shower in 10 days. Uh, and you're worried about a woman with five cats living above you? <laughs> <laughs> That's joke number one. Here's my second one. And it's a little more of a thinker, I guess. My first shower in 10 days. Um, I'd be worried about being attacked by those five cats living upstairs from the smell coming between your legs, Natalie. <laughs> Perfect. I think use both of them. Use I think I have to use, I think I have to use both of them also. <laughs> oh my God. But, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> you know, oh, but it's a great apartment. You know, it's hey, we're there and we're we're doing the thing and living the dream. So cool. But uh yeah. So it's just we get the two girls in pairings where it's like, this isn't working out as well as I thought it was. And so it's like, guys, you're already here. Why don't you spend the night? You know, the water's probably not turned back on. So they do. And Matthew is just bursting with happiness everything's back to the way it should be the girls are back together joe says she's better at gang chats i don't know what that means (laughs) but the girls are back together and And the lesson is don't chase your dreams there it is there There it is is. (laughs) stay home where it's safe that's the lesson in the Wizard of Oz, isn't it? If yep. you gotta look beyond your own backyard, it ain't worth going for. Mm. Man. Yeah, when Blair is complaining that Joe won't talk to her, Joe finally is like, I'm not ignoring you. I'm lousy at small talk when it's one-on-one. I'm better at gang chats. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've never heard the word gang ch- and I'm a chatty person I don't know if you know this about me but I do enjoy talking uh, I've never heard the term gang chat it, had I known or if there was a club I could join uh, if I could get a word in you know but- I love that I didn't even realize until Daniel said it that the actual point of the episode is don't follow your dreams I know <laughs> yeah, genius yeah. Yeah, it's freaking amazing. It's, That's the it's, lesson that they're telling people. I mean, it's, it's perfect assessment. Yeah. So, yeah, to wrap up this, the girls are just it's like you, you move back. Yeah. OK, fine. Stay another night. Stay another week. Stay another year. And they're like, OK. And then they say to Tootie, I thought you wanted grit. And Tootie says, we've done grit. We're ready for the next phase. Comfort. So then. <laughs> Because a week all- and a half. That's plenty. A week That's- and a half. I get it. Yeah. I get it, world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can be a horrible, cruel world. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> so then Natalie starts to read the story that she woke up and was inspired to write because for the first time in this week and a half, the inspiration that she thought she was going to get from living on her own and never came, she has it now back at the house. So the episode ends with Natalie reading her story to the girls. And uh, Dan, do you remember how it starts? Uh, you know, uh, no. Oh, Matthew, 
Do you remember no. how it starts? <laughs> oh, God, doesn't it start? It was a dark and stormy night. Worse. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Oh, yes, that's it. Yes, that's it. Yes. yes. You, sir, are correct. Yes, so she mm. totally plagiarized. What a, what a great writer now. Tol- is. is that Tolstoy? <laughs> I feel like it's, yeah. Isn't that War and Peace? Wasn't, isn't that wasn't it Dickens? It was Dickens. It's Great Expectations. It was the best of uh, times. It, it was the worst it. of times. And the only reason wow. I know that is because in the episode of the Golden Girls, where Dorothy is going to pass or fail the star quarterback, who was played by the wonderful boy who played Greg Brady in the wonderful um, 1995 film, The Brady Bunch. Um, she, um, he broke his leg and she sits down and she goes, we're going to read Great Expectations. It was the best of times. <laughs> it was the worst of times and it's just one of those great the arthur line readings <laughs> that's the only reason i know that oh bless and please See, if i'm wrong god that's why the work we do on this podcast is important because sitcoms educate that's right oh shit it's not great expectations it's a tale of two cities sale of two titties no. damn it <laughs> uh, who wrote that Charles Dickens. Dickens. It was Dickens. Oh, okay. You were right with the Still Dickens. Dickens, though. All right. Yeah. So there it is. Uh, we are now at the end, and that which was wrong has been set right again. We can begin season eight, secure in the knowledge that our four girls are still living together. Matthew's going to cry. It was like slipping into a warm slipper at the end, the way they just curled up and cozied up. It was like laying in a pool of cats. <laughs> final analysis final review final words dan johnson okay don't have me watch another episode please <laughs> get back with me when you start doing a podcast about star trek <laughs> I, think, I think you're the first person in the history to ever ever be that honest <laughs> most people are like oh david this was fun maybe we'll have you back oh yeah that might happen <laughs> you know what i you know like i said earlier uh you know i did watch the show regularly when i was a kid and i loved it haven't seen it since yeah doesn't and, age well does it? it's, it's kind of like it doesn't it doesn't and it's kind of like this because i was also a fan of the greatest american hero when i was a kid when that show was on and i made the mistake of going out and getting the dvds when they first came out like about 10 years ago and i started watching it and i was like holy crap this show sucks oh yeah <laughs> i should have just kept i should have just kept the fantasy in my head that is why I am against reboots of stuff. No, you don't no. want to see fucking eighty-year-old Sarah Jessica Parker hauling her cookies down Fifth Avenue in a pair of high heels. <laughs> she is hundreds of years old. Yeah. But I will say this about that: none of these sitcoms in the eighties were meant to hold up to anything. They were pumping these out, yeah. and like, I mean, for Christ's sake, Mr. Belvedere did an AIDS episode. <laughs> Oh. Christ, you think that's not cringeworthy to watch now? Oh, for Christ's man. Sake? Yeah. And Alf, for Christ's sake. I lived for Alf. It's horrific <laughs> to sit through <laughs> now. Yeah. It's just all these humans setting a fucking puppet up for a joke. Every, yep. every sentence is, here's the ball on the tee. Alf knocks the ball out of the park. It's just insane so i'm trying to not watch this with such critical eyes and enjoying the things like an 80 pound electric typewriter for christ's sake it's like she's carrying it's literally kids for those that don't know it was like carrying a microwave around basically it was it was all steel mechanical everything yeah. it was oh my god it was so but think about moving your your microwave every time you wanted to go right for christ's sake <laughs> Where did she think she was going to go with that thing when she walked out of the apartment? Where did she think she was going to go? I do not know. <laughs> These are the things that go through my head when I watch it. No, no, but you're not wrong. I mean, you, you hear how I'm analyzing this stuff. And But Matthew, as an adult, we watch this having rented apartments now. We watch this with different eyes than we yeah. did then. I mean, now as an adult, I think, where was she going? Without panties? Without uh, <laughs> a, a purse? Nothing? Yeah. She just 
fucking take off with your keyboard. All right. Yeah. Nah. Her, her 10 days dirty. Yeah. Go look for fucking power outlet to fucking plug in so you can write a little bit. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway. Well, it's fun to watch. Yes. So do you want to ask our final question before we send Dan on his way, Matthew? Well, I think we know it was Star Trek, but this was, you said you were watching this. What was the big show for the wonderful Dan Johnson? And I hope it was Miami Vice because his name was Don Johnson. (laughs) Oh God. I heard that so many times when I was a kid. I'm nothing (laughs) if not a cliche. (laughs) (laughs) So what was my show back then is, is your question? Yeah, what was your uh, appointment television that you were watching in the 80s? There was a lot. I was a latchkey kid, so I was home watching TV. That TV was my parent <laughs> when I was a kid. So uh, just give us like your top three so, from prime time. Okay. Uh Cheers. Mm-hmm. Uh um Magnum PI. Oh yeah. And this is doesn't fit at all, but fame. Oh, I love the old TV show Fame. Yeah, I never I watched say, Fame, and I dare say Magnum PI was far enough back that it has almost moved into timeless. I think <laughs> because I mean, yes, the jean shorts are ridiculous, but anymore in 2021, what is it? A little bit ridiculous, and what yeah. people are so it's like him running around and his shirt open and those um hairy <laughs> chest out and his little little jean shorts, you know. If people aren't mad at it as much as they are, you know, eight pairs of shoulder pads. <laughs> and Tom Selleck <laughs> is one of those people where it's like he needs the mustache. He don't look right without mm-hmm. it. No, no, true. Well, Dan, thank you so much for giving us your time and for doing this show. It has been super fun. Yeah, I am I a firm it. believer that... Uh, regardless of the quality. In fact, if if the show is lousy, that makes it more fun to share and discuss with friends. Absolutely. And uh, that's the realm we're getting into many of the weeks now that we're in these later seasons of The Facts of Life. So uh, I'm really happy to have had you here to add to the joy and the merriment in our uh, uh, disenjoyment of this episode. <laughs> Thank you for inviting me. And if you want me to come back again, my number is 555-1234. Okay. That's, is that a new number? I'm writing. I'm, I'm going to put that in my phone. I'm sure I'll pick up. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let me put that in my phone. And I don't need the area code, right? <laughs> nope. No. That, yeah. Nope. nope. I have one of those old timey numbers where you don't need it. Yeah. No, no I'm just kidding. I, seriously, though, you know, I, I, I did enjoy this. I might rip on it and everything, but I I'm you didn't enjoy the show, but hopefully you enjoyed this. That's really more what yes. I'm concerned with. So, yes. yeah. So thank you again yes. so much. Smooches, my dear, and goodbye. Mwah. there you have it. That was Dan Johnson. One thing uh, about the show that I forgot to mention, there's a little pet peeve I have in both television and uh, on stage and to to a lesser extent in the movies. But when Blair and Joe show up to visit Tootie and Natalie, neither of them has a purse. Joe, of course, I would expect would be carrying stuff in her pockets, uh, the way she dresses and all that. But Blair... Blair just walks in with the clothes on her back. Come on. Blair would carry a purse. Blair would have her cosmetics. She would have stuff with her. That's very much her character. And that always surprises me. And I'm never sure if it's a props fail or a costume fail. Uh, Because of our close personal friend Diana Eden being the costumer, I'm going to say that was a props fail. That is it for season seven, people. This is insane that we are through seven out of the nine seasons. I am, my brain is mush right now. So uh, I am going to be taking a couple of weeks off. There will be shows dropping, and uh, I'm not going to tell you what they're going to be. Uh, You're just going to have to see what it is and be surprised the next couple of Wednesdays. I think it's going to be two weeks. Uh, We'll see how I feel, but 
definitely needing to take a little bit of a break before we jump back into Season 8, Episode 1, called Out of Peak Skill Part 1. I will post links to the episode in the show notes and on this episode's webpage. And of course, the beginning of any season will come with all of our pop culture analysis, updates, and commentary. And uh, yeah, just the last thing to remember before we wrap up Season 7. I think Dan Johnson said it best. Don't follow your dreams. And remember, the facts of life are all about you. Let's Face the Facts was created, produced, written, hosted, and edited by the wonderful David Almeida. Our theme song was beautifully arranged and recorded by Ned Wilkinson. Please visit facethefactspod.com for supplemental photos and videos, links to social media, and ways that you can support the show. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. This is Matthew Arder saying tune in again next week for another thrilling episode of Let's Face the Facts. <laughs>